Week 8 edition of NFL Friday is upon us. Glad we could have you with us here today. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Pleased to be joined by my partner, Andrew Gulotta. We're recording this at noon on Friday. Andrew, it's great to be with you here today, recapping Week 7, getting into Week 8. And somehow both New York teams, I think, will not have a very good week. I don't know how you're looking at it, though. Oh, it's... Look, it's the best time for football, in my opinion, right in the middle of the season. But not for these New York teams. I mean, a combined one win. I mean, uh, it's been tough. It's been very, very tough for these two teams. Certainly has. And the Jets are the only winless team in football. They've got a matchup with the Chiefs this week. Let's get right into it. Jets lost 18-10 to at the hands of Buffalo last week in a game in which they had almost no yards in the second half. Looked good in the first. Buffalo scored 18 unanswered to end the game. Jets remain winless heading into this week, which I don't think either of us think they're going to win or even much stand a chance. But the Jets showed some good signs in that game against Buffalo. Sam Darnold looked good in the first half. But, Andrew, as often happens with the Jets, everything fell apart as the game went along, and they remain winless. And all indications are that it's going to be that way, at least beyond this week. But Andrew, a disappointing game for the Jets last week and when they really had a chance to win for, for probably only the second time all year. Yeah, I mean, it was a very, I think, division-like game. You had two teams that definitely know each other, Bills, Jets. It was kind of, I mean, kind of a slugfest in the beginning of the game. The Jets get out to a lead, which is really good for them. And then the Bills showed their talent. They showed, you know, the coaching dis- discrepancy between the two guys. And it really was no chance in the second half, even though the Bills didn't score a touchdown in this game. So, again, it's it's something that I think for, for the Jets, it's good that at least they played a close game against division opponents, showed that at least you have some pulse. But, again, the lack of talent, the lack of coaching, it's every week it's going to show its ugly head every week. And Tyler Bass for the Bills took eight field goal attempts in that game. So if you translate that out to touchdowns, Buffalo could have had 56 points in that game. Instead, they had 18. But, you know, you bring up an interesting point with the coaching. This was the next thing I wanted to get into. So the Jets made a change at the play caller spot, if you will. Dowell Loggins, the offensive coordinator, took over the play calling. And I was really impressed in the first half. They were getting Sam Darnold out of the pocket. They were running it with LaMichael Pirine about as much as they were with Frank Gore, which was good to see because it was not an equal distribution in the weeks before that, particularly in that Miami game, which was just an absolute embarrassment offensively. And things looked good. You know, they had 10 points by middle of the second quarter. The defense was playing really well, but they were doing good things. Sam Darnold looked really good. And what I thought, Andrew, and I, I don't know if you would concur with this, Sam Darnold made a throw near the end of the first half into triple coverage where he didn't see the corner underneath. He goes and makes the pick, uh, just a terrible interception. And Tim Darnold makes a couple of those throws a game, whether or not they're picked uh, just depends on, you know, who's on the receiving end basically. <laughs> but you, you saw the good in Sam Darnold. And then towards the end of the second quarter and then into the second half, you saw the bad. And you also saw a defense that kind of figured out, what the Jets were trying to do in a way. So I was for a time impressed by what Dowell Loggins was doing just because after watching a year and a half of Adam Gase, 
it's such a, a breath of fresh air to see somebody else take over the reins and have a little success. So that was good to see. And then once that wore off and the Bills sort of caught on to what the Jets were doing, it was very easy for them to stop. And that second half looked a lot like the week before in Miami. It was just mm-hmm. receivers couldn't get open. There wasn't a lot of running room. And the Jets had you know a nominal amount of first downs. I don't know what the exact number was. But, Andrew, I think this team is just so limited in what it can do offensively that you – you know, you take a performance like that in the first half and it's very hard to repeat. And then you look at the end of the game and they've got 10 points and it's, you know, basically same as it ever was, even though they showed you a lot of good stuff in that first half. Yeah. I do think that their play calling going into this game was let's just build around Sam Donald. Let's give him a chance. Let's do things that he does. Well, let's maybe simplify a few things for him. And in the first half it worked. And it just seemed like at a certain point, you need someone beyond Sam Darnold and Sam Darnold, you know, he's not an MVP candidate. You know, he's not going to carry you right now. It, he does have the potential, but he's definitely not there yet. And uh, again, I feel like that kind of just, it, it catches up with you at a certain point when receivers can't get open, you know, you have no consistent running game. Your offensive line isn't good. I mean, at a certain point you could definitely, I think the play calling was better and it looked better, but I feel like once the defense kind of then turned it over and like, okay, this is what you're doing. The jets had no answers. Let's also be frank. This is partially on roster construction. We're not really talking about Thursday night football, but Robbie Anderson on the Panthers, who was on the jets the last couple of years entered the week as the second leading receiver in the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's a guy I'd like to have right now, as opposed to what they do have with uh, Jameson Crowder, Rashad Perriman, Braxton Berrios, (laughs) Chris Herndon, Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's somebody I'm missing, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> all, all no namers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris Hogan, I think, was on the Jets, unless I hallucinated that. I don't know, but <laughs> you you don't have the talent around Sam Darnold. Is the point? And the offensive line too is like really concerning because Sam Darnold has absolutely no time to throw, and, and that's a, a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to build a game plan when yep. you have nothing. It's just, I mean, that's the simple as, as it is. And you bring up Robbie Anderson. I mean, who would have thought that going into, what, halfway through the year in the NFC South, that's just stacked with wide receiver talent, he would be the leading receiver. So that just shows you, like, you know, you bring in a competent, you know, coordinator down there with Joe Brady in the Panthers, and he's able to really use Anderson's abilities to make him look. I mean, right now he's the best receiver in between, you know, you a division with Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. It's just crazy. You know, I was actually thinking about this watching the game last night. I'd be cool with Jets head coach Joe Brady. I think that'd be <laughs> that'd be an he's interesting a, proposition. He's a great coach. I mean, he worked under, I'm a big Saints fan, works under Sean Payton for a while. Really similar offense there. And, you know, gets the ball out quick, simplifies things. I mean, I, I, I'd be happy, if I was Jets fan, I'd be really happy with that. And he did great things with LSU, won them a national title too. Yeah, you know, the Jets have a way of never hiring the best candidate. So we'll <laughs> see what winds up happening with that. Uh, but Joe Brady's a, a hot commodity. I, I'd be surprised if he's in Carolina um, too much past this year, to be quite honest. Moving on, though, I, I think as we look ahead for the Jets, they have the Chiefs this week, Okay. Andrew, I'm not even going to let you pick this one, all right? You're picking the Chiefs, I'm picking the Chiefs. But it's a 19-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, Do the Jets cover? I I got back and forth on this. You're shaking your head no, Andrew. No. 19-and-a-half, I mean, I I think the Chiefs win this game by more than three touchdowns. 
maybe they get up by so much, they get up by like 30 points in the first half and they just like completely just go run the whole second half and the Jets are able to score a few garbage time touchdowns. But uh, it, it's Casey's just a way to, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see what the Jets, if they can even keep it somewhat close or, or is Kansas City just going to go out there and completely ransack them. I mean, because uh, right now the Jets just look far and above the worst team in the NFL. Like, to me, there's not even a big, you know, difference right now. I mean, they're only scoring 12 points a game. <laughs> this year is, like, offense so heavy. Offenses have been dominating the NFL, and the Jets have scored 12 points a game. I mean, that's just an utter embarrassment in my mind. I mean, in, in a league that's going to set a scoring record this year, <laughs> the Jets are one of the only teams going in the other direction. I will say I'm excited to watch this game just because I haven't gotten to see the Chiefs as much as I've wanted to mm-hmm. this year. Uh, I'll also call your attention to Chris Jones, who in his press conference yesterday, (laughs) I don't know how you justify this, uh, referred to the Jets as a hell of a football team. (laughs) I I know it's better than the alternative where you're like completely underestimating your opponent. But how in the world do you say that with a straight face? Like that, that's so absurd. I feel like you kind of have to say that to like keep your mind like, okay, like we got to play our hardest. And I mean, just because I feel like a lot of players, coaches go back to it. They're like, oh, the talent gap isn't so big between an 0 and 7 and like a 7 and 0 team. But oh, I just feel like it's, this is just one of these games. I feel that they're just going to be totally outmatched. I mean, they don't have one like positional advantage. Like, I don't even know what their offense is going to do to scheme guys open and on defense. They got nothing to stop Mahomes and all those weapons. I mean, I don't know how it's going to, they they keep it under three touchdowns a year, to be honest. Chris Jones also said the Jets were in a lot of close games. Frankly, I'm more interested <laughs> in the games he's watching than the ones I've been watching. Um, I'm actually, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Chiefs by 17 here. That's what I'll do. I, I think uh, I think the Jets and Sammy Backdoor gets a late touchdown, and they they lose by a more respectable margin. They're gonna lose. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, I could see the Chiefs just kind of uh, undercooking the second half, if you will, and having something like this happen. All right, so that's our Jets discussion. Um, I really hate unloading on this team every week, but I feel like it's absolutely necessary. Uh, Let's move over to the other side of town here, and frankly, the team that's not much better. In the New York football Giants, they've got a Monday night game against Tampa Bay this week. That game currently still on is scheduled. The reason I say that is as we are recording this, um, we are aware that Will Hernandez, one of the offensive linemen on the Giants, has tested positive for COVID. uh, And most of the offensive linemen on the Giants, all but four, are currently in quarantine. Now, they could clear quarantine, I believe, with a certain number of negative tests in advance of Monday, uh, Giants practice, I believe, is still on for today. But, Andrew, frankly, this is an offensive line that is bad, uh, that has not played well, has not given Daniel Jones a lot of time to throw. And they go into this game against Tampa Bay, whose defense has played well over the last few weeks, with probably without one of their offensive linemen, if not more, depending on contact tracing Andrew this is a matchup I really worry about for the New York Giants right now going into this game against a team that has probably played better than any team in the NFL over the last couple of weeks 
Yeah, I mean, you got to give a ton of top props to Tampa Bay. I mean, everyone's talking about their offense, and rightfully so with Brady, Evans, all they're doing. But their defense has played really well. And that's something, like, as a Saints fan going into the season, their defense didn't look so good. Their front seven we knew was going to be very good, but a lot of people were worried about their secondary. And, man, they played really good this season. And for the Giants, I mean, they're a team that, look, they've played a lot of close games, which, I mean, you kind of, you know, hats off to the coaching and, you know, Joe Judge, and their defense has kind of looked respectable. So definitely I feel like that has a lot to do with motivation and stuff and just good coaching because I do think that Joe Judge is a very good head coach. But, again, I'm worried for Daniel Jones. I'm worried for this offense because, look, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball against, to me, the best front seven in in football right now, and especially with, you know, going, you know, in short mandate on that offensive line. Look, Jones is going to be blitzed a ton. He's going to be under a ton of pressure, and – I'm honestly a little scared for him. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. We should also address uh, in the past week or so, there was a video that came out of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley out partying. Um, obviously, that's not great, although it seems like you know Daniel Jones has, has not tested positive. So you know, hopefully that continues to stay that way. Uh, but going back to, to this matchup, yes, it is terrifying. You have to give Tampa Bay a lot of credit. I got to catch a lot of their game last week against Vegas. Let me tell you, Tom Brady still got it. Uh, I was a little skeptical just based on the way last season ended in New England. And I think in hindsight, part of that was the weapons or lack thereof they had up there and probably to a large extent still have up there. But, you know, he is flinging it. It is incredible to watch. And you know, he had another just incredible game last week against – Las Vegas, I almost said Oakland there, forgive me. But <laughs> they get another huge victory. They beat up on the Packers the week before. They beat Las Vegas last week, 45-20. Brady last week, 33-45 of 45 for 369. Four touchdowns. He added a fifth touchdown on the ground. Andrew, it's funny to think about. A lot of the narrative now has been about Brady versus Belichick. So far this season... I think we all know who's getting the upper hand right now. And it's not Bill Belichick. It's Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, he's dominated. I mean, the weapons that they have, I mean, it's just outstanding. I mean, for him, what an upgrade. You know, I feel like any of their top three receivers now with Antonio Brown would have been the Patriots' number one receiver last year, which is no disrespect to like Julian Edelman. But still, you have Evans, Godwin, now Antonio Brown. Gronk seems to be coming into his own now. You're, you're really able to run the ball with Ronald Jones and then also Leonard Fournette. Right now, that offense is really outstanding. The one thing I'm going to say is the the only kind of saving grace for this Giants team right now is this is kind of a trap game for the Bucs. They go to play the Saints next week, which is, mm-hmm. to me, going to decide the division because the Bucs really need that game if they're going to win this division because this, they already lost the Saints week one, and if you know they got swept by the Saints, I'd be very surprised if they go out and win this division. So maybe they're looking farther on the schedule here in this one, but to me, that's really the only saving grace because the Bucs right now – again, going back to talent, have way more talent than the Giants right now. And there's no question about that. Yeah, it's also funny to um, look at the Buccaneers schedule. They've got the Saints next week on Sunday night. They've got the Panthers. They've got the Rams on a Monday night. And then their game, uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving, is incredible. This could be, I, I don't exaggerate, the way they're playing right now, this could be a Super Bowl preview. Chiefs, Buccaneers on uh, November 29th. That's going to be an outstanding game. 
But that is a sidebar, and it is a trap game. And I think that's something the Giants can look forward to. And going back to the Giants now, you were talking about Joe Judge. They play very hard for him, and that's something I've been impressed by. Now, granted, the bar for New York football right now is on the floor. So I I wouldn't take very much to be impressed by that. But that being said, they have a lot of effort for him. And they had a game against Philadelphia last week on Thursday Night Football. They were up two scores with five minutes to go and lost. And, you know, if Evan Ingram makes the catch on the throw by Daniel Jones, they win that game. And they've been in position to win some games. They've had some tough losses this year. I will say, Andrew, though, it seems like the players have taken to Joe Judge. And you made this point. We were doing one of the one-on-ones a couple of weeks back. Mm -hmm. They're kind of like the Miami Dolphins last year where they'll probably be playing better at the end of the year than they are right now. And they could run into four or five wins by the time the season ends. They already have one against Washington. But I think this is a Giants team that you'll definitely take some things to build on. Uh, there's still some organizational changes to be made. I think Dave Gettleman's got to go and he has to be very far away from that facility. But I think there's some things to build on for the Giants here. And Andrew, I think it'll continue to be that way for the rest of the season. Yeah, I feel like they're kind of like you're running the mill rebuilding team. You know, you found the coach. I think the GM, I agree, has to go. Daniel Jones, still up in the air with him. Definitely have to see a lot more. A sophomore slump this season, in my opinion. Again, I feel like that has a lot to do with all these losses in close games. You're just not getting that clutch play from the offense, that first down, that field goal, that touchdown in the late in the in the late fourth quarter. And it's just really that's kind of hurt them. Also, the defense, they've actually played well, the defense. I mean, 13th in total yards allowed, 14th in total points. I mean, again, they don't have a ton of talent there. And Again, defense is a lot to do with motivation, a lot to do with communication. It seems like that's starting to come on for them. So that's obviously really big. Again, I just feel like right now they're a rebuilding team that has to learn how to win. They haven't done that yet. So again, all these close games, it's just more experience, more experience. And I feel like that this is the type of season the the Giants are going to have. Yeah, I mean, look at their schedule, right? They lost by 10 to the Steelers opening week. Steelers are the only undefeated team in the league. They were within 10 yards of beating the Bears. They were driving against the Rams late. They lost that game by eight. They lost on a game-winning field goal by the Cowboys. They you know, beat Washington by one, lost to the Eagles by one. And their, I mean, their point differential is not embarrassing at all. I mean, they've been competitive. But when you have teams that, you know, just aren't there, sometimes in close games, bad things happen. And we've seen other teams – that have a lot better records win a lot of those close games, but yeah, the giants, I don't think they have too, too much to be ashamed of right now. As crazy as that sounds, I mean, no Saquon Barkley for the rest of the season, Daniel Jones, as you said, I, you know, is very up and down, Uh, but you, you have things you can take out of this season and where it goes from here. Who knows? I think they're going to build around Daniel Jones. I think he's the guy. Frankly, I think he doesn't have uh, bad weapons right here. I just think sometimes, you know, things happen, whether it's the Engram drop. And Engram had another drop in that game, led to an interception. I think he's got to go. Like You, th- you think they got to trade him, yeah. I, I think that he's – they just can't use him correctly. I mean, sometimes you're doing, like, tight end sweeps. I mean, look, I mean, Evan Engram, he's a good athlete, but you can't use him as a wide receiver. I mean, I, I try to, you know, get, get a draft pick maybe for him, get another weapon maybe for him. I feel like they kind of need – Obviously, they have Saquon Bartley, Barkley, but a number one receiver would really help. Trey Odell Beckham. You know, it, it's just, to me, I feel like right now, 
with with the Giants, their offense, I, I think their weapons aren't awful, but especially if Daniel Jones, you know, if he's not playing well, he's he, again, he's not going to be able to make plays for the for these guys right now, and that's just really uh, the case for the Giants. Yeah, it also seems like with Engram, and I was going to ask you that, so I'm glad you brought it up. It seems like he really needs a change in scenery, yeah. as as bad as that might sound. He's so talented. Yeah, he really is, but he he has so many drops and so many you know just bad plays, and they haven't really been able to get him in the end zone this season. That's you know kind of the point of why they brought him in. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. The trade deadline is on Tuesday, November third, so we'll be following that. Um, I read an interesting article the other day. The teams are kind of expediting some of these moves just with the COVID protocols and whatnot there because if you get a guy it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have him that week so it'll be interesting to see what the market is for Evan Ingram too I'm sure there's a couple of teams that'll bite just because as you said Andrew he's so talented but you got to harness the drops and you got to use them correctly and as you said you know they're bringing them along in these jet sweeps which actually is (laughs) it's honestly not a horrible idea because otherwise he's not getting his hands on the ball that often like I think he had five catches or six catches in the Eagles game, but he was under 50 yards and that's how it's been for him most of the year. So I think, you know, for him uh, you, you see the talent as we were talking about, and we'll see what kind of market uh, develops for him as the season goes along. By the way, the giants are only a game and a half out of first place. Yeah. I think we, I think we need to mention that, which is unbelievable. Oh. Just absolute worst division in football. Eagles two, four and one leading this thing right now uh, it's that division is just it, what they're going to do is it's stealing a playoff playoff spot from a really good nfc team down the line because the nfc to me is stacked this year you look at these divisions you know I, I could easily see probably besides the nfc east you have two teams at least making the playoffs in every other division i mean the nfc west right now i mean <laughs> they're stacked i mean all the teams are over 500 i mean to me i think all four of those teams are for real and probably one of those teams aren't going to make the playoffs because of a under 500 team in the NFC East. It's crazy. I'm going to be so mad when one of those teams gets squeezed. Oh my goodness. Oh, that is horrible. All those teams over 500 in the best division in football. So that's, what's up with the giants. Uh, Let's move on to what I think is probably the biggest story in the NFL this week. And that is that it's two a time in Miami dolphins at three and three. Pulled the trigger a couple of weeks ago, named two of the starter on their bye week, and now he will get the nod over Ryan Fitzpatrick for a Dolphins team that's been very competitive this year, going up against the L.A. Rams. This is a hell of a matchup to put Tua into his first start, by the way, up against Aaron Donald. Um, So we'll see how Tua fares. Andrew, this is a Dolphins team that is making the move to two at a very interesting time. They're three and three, very much in the hunt in the AFC playoff chase. And they decide that it's going to be two up. Hopefully if he stays healthy for the final 10 games of the season, I'm really excited to see how he does. This is one of the matchups I circled this week and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I mean, this, this matchup is, I mean, for two, it's just a really bad for, you know, you play a Rams team that right now, has allowed the second least points in the NFL, fifth least passing yards. I mean, you know, Jalen Ramsey, just a ton of talent for that that Rams defense, and they've and they're playing really good football too on that defense. So, again, I feel like it's a tough game to put Tua in into, and I feel like again, you did have Fitzpatrick playing pretty good ball, which to me 
it's, it is interesting, but I understand because of the bye week and now you were able to bring him along and look for the Dolphins. If two is ready, you got to play Tua because he's your future. You want to see what you have in him because, you know, if he's a guy that you see is just maybe doesn't have it, then you have to pivot quickly. You can't waste a season if he's not healthy or if he is healthy, excuse me. I think if he's ready to play, he's got so much talent. If he's good to go and, you know, if he's really, truly the guy, he's going to be better than Ryan Fitzpatrick, no doubt. Yeah, and, and let's be totally real about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Very inconsistent. So, you know, he, he might have played well against the Jets, but that doesn't preclude him from throwing three or four picks in a game against like this. Against the Rams, yeah. Because <laughs> that's, just, that's just the way he's been throughout his career. So this is a fascinating move. I loved Tua coming out of Alabama. I really totally. – I, I said this at the time of the draft. If everything was equal and Tua wasn't dealing with the injury, I would have taken him over Burrow. I really believe that. And he's I think got a lot a, of people agree with you. Yeah. I mean, and he's, That injury was just tough. Bad timing for him. You know? Yeah, it really was. And, and it was – it was a really nasty injury too. I think the nature of it probably hurt, although it seems like he's healed really well, which is awesome to see, but he's got a big arm. He's really talented. He's a great playmaker and he's in a dolphins offense quietly. They have some good weapons around him, right? Jakeem Grant, Devonte Parker, miles Gaskin out of the backfield. Who's a big pass catching running back. So they've got a lot of options for him to go to. And Andrew, I feel like he's actually in a really good spot here to succeed the rest of the season. Yes, this week will be tough for Miami, but the rest of the year, I think they've put him in a really good position to succeed. They had a lot of draft picks in this past year's draft. And, uh, you know, they've got, he's got a lot of different places to go with the ball. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, if they give him any semblance of time to throw, and that's probably more for this week than the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But if they give him time to make the play, I have confidence in him that he can make it. And I think Dolphins fans, I think they should be really excited because I think this is a new era in Miami. And I think really for the first time in 20 years for that franchise, you've got a young quarterback you feel like you can build around. And the Dolphins, I think, have found the guy finally into it. Yeah, first, I just want to shout out my brother and dad, who are both Dolphins fans. And my brother, man, he's basically started being a fan post Dan Marino, which has just been like, hasn't even seen a playoff win. And finally, I think they got it right. I think they're really building a nice foundation here. I think Brian Flores is the guy there. I think Tua is the guy too. And again, I feel like right now, as you were saying with Brian Fitzpatrick, he was kind of due for a bad game, I feel. It was kind of that, like, it was ready for him. He was going to have a bad game against the Rams and it is a good situation for Miami that it's a one o'clock game in Miami. The Rams coming off of a short week. So maybe they're able to catch them off guard. You obviously don't have any, you know, pro tape on Tua. So you really don't know what he's going to do. So in that respect, the surprise factor is going to be in. And, you know, if the Dolphins are able to give him enough time to show off that arm talent and really um, to me, get going into a rhythm, I could see the Dolphins pulling off this upset And the one stat I was looking before we were doing the show with the Rams, the two games that they've lost, they've given up seven touchdowns and seven red zone attempts. So if they're able to get down to the red zone and be efficient in those spots, I could see a Dolphins upset. That's one of the most interesting matchups of the weekend. We'll be very curious to see how that turns out. Rams coming off a short week too on Monday Night Football. They beat the Bears. Now they play the Dolphins one o'clock on Sunday. Before we get into the picks here, Andrew, we were talking about this before the show. 
We are at basically the halfway point of the NFL season. A lot of teams will be playing their eighth game, whether it be on Sunday or Monday in week eight. And usually, whether it's football or anything else in life, you get to the halfway point, that's usually a really good point to assess things. And I feel no differently about the NFL. So what we're going to do here, we're going to give you one team we've been really impressed by, and one team that has disappointed us through the first half, or 43% of the season. Andrew, I will start with you. We'll start with the good. What is the team that has impressed you the most so far this year? I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I mean, they've really looked great this year, and that's something that offense has been able to really get going with Kyler Murray. You know, shout out Fordham alum Chase Edmonds, who's, you know, he's playing great ball. Kenyon Drake, they've really been able to run the ball nicely. And then also, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, that's obviously going to help. And obviously they fleeced the Texans, which at least for my disappointment, I'm going to get into that in a little bit as well. And also their defense is playing really good as well. 10th in points allowed. Also their second best in defending the red zone, which is like that bend don't break. That really helps defenses. And honestly, right now, the way they played and to me, that game last week against the Seahawks, that's a show me game. We're ready. We can win now. And we could compete for an, an NFC West title. Yeah, that Sunday night game was absolutely Crazy. tremendous. And mm-hmm. one of the most fascinating and confusing two-minute drills I've ever seen <laughs> at the end of regulation. The Cardinals run the ball up the middle with 15 seconds and no timeouts to get away with it because they have Larry Fitzgerald. Um, you're going to go with the Cardinals. Uh, forgive me for going with the obvious here. I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers. I was very uncertain on this team going into the season. Ben Roethlisberger coming off the surgery. Their defense we know is really good. Would they be able to score enough, even though Lord knows they have the weapons? And so far, they have done that. A really impressive win over Tennessee last week, game that they were up by 20 and almost wound up losing down the stretch, but they were able to hang on after the Goskowski missed field goal. They're the only undefeated team in the league. They're playing Baltimore this week, which we'll pick in a few minutes. But the Pittsburgh Steelers, so impressive. Uh, Kevin Colbert's done a great job building this roster. Defense is absolutely fantastic. Ben Roethlisberger in the twilight of his career. I know, you know, you can talk about this team when they get to the playoffs, how they match up against certain other teams. You know, if they, they were to play like the Chiefs, for example, that's probably a tough matchup. But you have to give them a ton of credit. And they're the only undefeated team remaining in football Seahawks lost last week and the Steelers beat the other undefeated the Titans so forgive me for taking the cop out here but the Pittsburgh Steelers very very impressive and if you would have told me before the season that they'd be the only undefeated team left frankly I would have been very surprised now unfortunately though we got to go to the other end of the spectrum here Andrew you said it you've been extremely disappointed and I know you're not alone with the Houston Texans so far this year I mean, if I would have told you, you know, go rewind to January when they were up 24 to nothing to the Chiefs in the divisional round. And I told you less than a year later, this team would be one and six. Bill O'Brien would be fired. DeAndre Hopkins would be off the team. Oh, I mean, to me, this team is just they're the epitome of it. I think they got in over their head with a few years of success. They still have a ton of talent, but they're incredibly undisciplined. I feel like they shipped out the wrong guys. I mean, when you have winning guys in your locker room, you don't try to ship them out to just get, you know, more talent and bang for your buck. I mean, the bad coaching, everyone's been talking about Bill O'Brien, but really some personnel decisions. I mean, bringing in Brandon Cooks, I mean, he's a guy 
that even with the Saints, I mean, the reason the Saints shipped him out in the first place is because he didn't want to play with Michael Thomas and he didn't want to be the number two receiver. He, t- to me, his motive has always been a little questionable, even though he's a great receiver. But, you know, even if you're replacing him with, you know, a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, who's to me a top three receiver in the game, that's going to hurt. You know, really just a team that's really frustrating because they got a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson. But for me, this is a this is a big disappointment. Yeah, for sure. And it's 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 fascinating when you talk about the Texans. Like, you know, you go back to January. I mean, first of all, imagine explaining anything to anyone in January. But you know, you're, you're watching that game. I remember I was uh, working a, a Fordham women's basketball game that day. And I looked down and it was 24 nothing. I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. And that was, uh, I think it was like five minutes ago in the fourth quarter. By the time I looked at my phone again, it was 24-21. That's just the way it was with the Texans. And, you know, you you go into Bill O'Brien's ear at that point and say, hey, you know what? After this, you're not going to win another game with the Texans. Just crazy. Just crazy. And they were, you know, uh, three quarters away from the AFC title game at that point. All right, I'll give my pick now. I've gone back and forth. A little bit on this. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings. And this is a team that only has one win to this point in the season. Uh, Frankly, Kirk Cousins doing Kirk Cousins things. Uh, They gave him a ton of money a couple years ago. He has not lived up to it at all. They went out. They drafted Justin Jefferson to give him a weapon alongside Adam Thielen because they had gotten rid of Stephon Diggs. But their defense has been very disappointing. Uh, Kirk Cousins is not the quarterback of the future out there, I don't think. And it'll be a very interesting offseason coming up for them, right? Do they keep Mike Zimmer, for example? Do they, you know, go in another direction at the quarterback position? How do they rebuild their team? This is a team that was in the NFC title game only a couple years ago. So I think there's a lot of interesting decisions forthcoming in Minnesota, and we'll see how it winds up for them. But they're my disappointment. I mean, I didn't think they were a great team by any stretch of the imagination coming into the season. I did not think they'd be this bad. And they've just been really in a lot, in a lot of ways, just atrocious. And, you know, some of their games, I mean, they lost big to the Falcons last time out. Yeah. They're only wins against, uh, against Houston. That was the game that got Bill O'Brien fired. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, the only thing I want to say. The one thing I want to say about the Vikings is that I mean, they won't be making the playoffs this year. That's one really great thing for the Saints, who just seem to have the playoff demons with the Vikings. So I'm happy that the Vikings will be nowhere near this year's playoffs as a Saints fan. I will say, though, Stephon Diggs is off the roster. So you got rid of a, a lot of the PTSD <laughs> with that move, even if they do make the playoffs. All right. So that's what we've got for some of our disappointments this year. Now let's get into the picks. Week eight of the NFL season. Falcons beat the Panthers 25-17 on Thursday Night Football last night. And now let's get into the rest of the games. And we will start where we left off. Vikings, Packers, 1 o'clock at Lambeau on Sunday afternoon. Packers coming off the win against Houston last week. Minnesota coming off the bye. Who you got in that one, Andrew? Yeah, I think this is easy Packers. I mean, they're a team that, look, I know they had a tough loss against the Bucks. They got ransacked in that game, but they came back against the Texans, played a really good game. Rodgers still looks good. That offense is humming, and I know it's a divisional game, so, you know, maybe the Vikings, they do have some talent, so, you know, if that talent comes together, maybe, but Packers are too good right now, and, you know, they're a Super Bowl team, Super Bowl favorite, maybe, and, you know, I feel like they're going to get the win in this one. 
All right, so we both got Green Bay. Let's go to Titans-Bengals, 1 o'clock in Cincinnati. Titans got their first loss of the season last week. Bengals lost late to Cleveland. Uh, Andrew, I think this is an intriguing game. What are you, uh, how are you looking at this one? It is definitely interesting, and I think, you know, the Bengals, they played a pretty good game last week, divisional game against um, the Browns. And, again, I, I just feel like the Titans, again, they're coming off a loss. This is a very good football team. I don't see them losing too straight. And, you know, those good football teams that especially can run the ball well and play good defense, like that style of football, it's very hard to lose multiple games when you're that successful. So I'm going to take the Titans. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the Titans are a team I like. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, kind of earlier on in this season, they played some white-knuckle games, right? They almost lost to Jacksonville, almost lost to Minnesota. Uh, t- uh, Houston, rather, took them to overtime. Joe Burrow's playing well. I just have a weird gut feeling about this game. I'm going to take the Bengals in an upset. All right, Jets, Chiefs, uh, just so we can skip this one, we both have Kansas City. All right, excellent. Uh, Colts, Lions in Detroit, 1 o'clock on Sunday. I'll go first on this one. I like Indianapolis. Uh, Lions coming off a couple straight wins, one of them thanks to Todd Gurley brand last week as the uh, Falcons running back accidentally scored when he did not want to. They went down, scored a game-winning touchdown as time expired. But I think Indianapolis goes out, gets the win, and deals Detroit the loss. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think Indianapolis, they're a team that I think coming into the year, people are like, oh, what is Philip Rivers going to bring to this team? And they've kind of stuck to, you know, what they were doing. They were running the ball a ton. I mean, obviously, you know, Jacoby Brissett, so, again, not at the level of Philip Rivers, but, hey, they're playing good defense. They're running the ball well, winning the time of possession battle. And in that division, which, I mean, it's pretty thin, they have a very, very good formula there. Certainly do, and I think the one thing for Philip Rivers is he's got to avoid some of the big mistakes that he's been making in the first few weeks. All right, game of the week as far as I'm concerned. Steelers at Ravens. This is an intriguing matchup. First place in the AFC North on the line here. Uh, actually, that's not technically true. The Browns are also in the equation here. A tie for the division is on the line here. Let's go with that. Who you got in this one? This is a really interesting game because I think this is the game that the Steelers would really show that they're they're here, they're a Super Bowl favorite, even though they're undefeated. And I just see Baltimore winning this one. I just feel like Lamar Jackson, what he's able to do, I think that defense, a lot of people obviously talk about Lamar Jackson, the MVP, rightfully so, but that defense is stacked. They add in Joku from the Vikings, and I feel like that's just going to add to them. And again, I feel like... The Ravens, I think they're still the best team. I think they're still the most talented team. And to me, I think they're the best chance, even though they haven't showed it in, in the playoffs, I think they're the best chance to beat the Chiefs here in the AFC. Yeah, I uh, after I just talked about the Steelers, this is probably a little awkward. I, too, think <laughs> the Ravens will win. And there will be zero undefeated teams in the NFL after this weekend. All right, the game we talked about before, Rams at Dolphins. 5-2 and two, Los Angeles, 3-3 three and three, Miami. Quietly, a big game for the Dolphins if they want to stay in the AFC East chase. I'm really intrigued by this one, Andrew. Get your pick first before I I dive in here. Yeah, I mean, so am I. I mean, I'm actually going to pick the Dolphins in this one. And I'm going to go with it because I just feel like this is a trap game for the Rams. They're coming into this game. They have to go all the way to the East Coast. So, like, in their their time zone, it would be a 10 o'clock game because obviously they're in Los Angeles. That's really tough to make that trip to Miami. You're playing a brand-new quarterback. I could see Tua having a big game in this one, the Dolphins having a big game in this one. I don't know. I feel like 
the Rams, they're, they're a good team. They're playing really good football, but so are the Dolphins. And I feel like right now this is a game that I feel like the Dolphins can pull off. Yeah, I'm going to take the Dolphins just for different reasons. I think they're just going to get a huge jolt from putting two in the lineup. And I think that'll be enough. I mean, the Rams are playing really good football. This is a big test for Tua, but I think he'll pass. I'll take the Dolphins as well. Patriots at Bills. The Patriots have one of their most brutal losses in recent memory last week to San Francisco. Bills uh, come in at 5-2 and two off the win against the Jets last week. I'll start on this one. I feel bad for Cam Newton. He's looked absolutely terrible since he came back from COVID. And I wonder if it's not still affecting him. Um, I, I Part of me wanted to pick the upset in this game, but with the way that offense has looked for the Patriots the last two weeks, I just can't pull the trigger. I'm going to take the Bills, even though they're not playing particularly well right now. Yeah, it's so hard, but just Bill Belichick, I just I don't know how he's going to let his team off the hook after losing that game against the 49ers. I think they come into this game extremely motivated. Division opponent, there won't be any fans in Buffalo. I'm going to take the Patriots in this one. I know it hasn't looked good, but I don't just... Bill Belichick, I feel like after losing a game like that, there is no way that he's going to accept another loss, especially to a division opponent like like Buffalo. As you were saying, Buffalo has kind of looked a little shaky of late. So I got New England here to kind of stay in the mix here in the playoff picture. Very low-key. Buffalo 5-2 and two has a negative point differential. Last yeah. 1 o'clock game here, Raiders at Browns. Browns will be without Odell Beckham Jr., uh, for this one, and I just realized the Browns have two losses and not one, so AFC North supremacy is on the line in that Steelers Ravens game. Forgive me. Anyway, though, that's beside the point. Uh, Raiders coming off the big loss to Tampa Bay last week. How do you see this one, Andrew? Las Vegas, I think they're you know a good team, really solid team. I feel like you know they've had a very tough schedule. You know, I mean these first six games. If, if I would have told you back in September or August that they've come out three and three, you'd probably be really happy. And I really like their formula with running running the ball a lot with Josh Jacobs, so they can cover up their defensive troubles, especially on the back end. I mean, maybe I'm just saying this because they beat my Saints and I saw them be really successful, and their their formula was very very um, you know effective against the Saints, but. I feel like in this game, I think, to me, Cleveland, I'm just not sold on them. And I, I'm going to take Vegas in this one. And I, I know it's an upset, but I, I feel like this is a type of game that Vegas w- could win. They beat the Chiefs. They beat the Saints. I mean, they beat some good teams this year, and I think they're going to continue that. Yeah, we're actually agreeing on, on a lot of these upsets. Yeah. And I'm also going to take Vegas. You know, there's there's morons on the Internet who think that the Browns offense is somehow better without Odell Beckham. I'm not one of them. And uh, I, I think... Baker Mayfield's going to have a harder time. He had a great week last week against Cincinnati. But I'm going to take Vegas here to uh, pull what is, I think, a slight upset at this point. I don't think it's necessarily a huge upset, some of the Browns injuries. Let's go to the 4 o'clock games now. Chargers-Blancos at 4.05 in Denver. Justin Herbert got his first career win last week. Broncos lost to the Chiefs in the snow. I should have first snow game of 2020. Uh, Andrew, I think it's kind of an interesting game here. Two teams that probably are not making the playoffs, but nonetheless, I think an interesting matchup. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's definitely this AFC, you know, divisional matchup. It'll probably be a good game, close game, you know, probably hard fought. I I really like Justin Herbert, and I'm going to take him in this game. I mean, his arm talent is incredible with with those weapons for the Chargers. Look, they've lost a ton of close games, and I mean, look, they can easily be in the playoff push if just a few balls go one way or another. And again, I feel like Denver, they're a team that right now hurt by injuries. 
And again, I, I just don't see them beating this the Herbert-led Chargers right now, and I'm going to take the Chargers. Nor do I. I'm going to go with L.A. I think uh, you know, finally getting over the hump last week could help them. And, you know, look, they could make a push here, as you said. So we'll see what happens there. All right, a game I know you're going to be very interested in, Andrew. Saints at Bears, 425 in the Windy City. The Bears are 5-2. and two. You would never know it by the way they're talking. <laughs> the Saints uh, barely beat the Panthers last week, 27-24. I'll go first on this one. I like New Orleans. Uh, I think Chicago is one of the weirdest good teams I've seen in a while. It's hard to draw coherent conclusions from their games and uh, I have had a hard time doing so. I-, I think the Saints still have something in the tank. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl. That might have been a little ambitious, but I still think that they're good enough to win a game like this. So, give me New Orleans. Yeah, I'm going to take the Saints as well and, you know, again, I feel like this three-game stretch, and now the Saints are in the leg two. They're coming off the bye. They beat the Panthers, divisional game. Then they play the Chicago in this one, and then they play the Bucks. This three-game stretch will define the Saints' season. I think that the Saints do win this game because watching that Monday night game, Rams and Bears, the Rams were really just throwing it down their, or not throwing it, excuse me, running it down their throat, and especially up the middle. The Saints had success against the Bears last season with that same formula. Expect Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara to have big days in this one, and the Saints get the win. So those got the Saints in that one. Another interesting 425 game to close it out. 49ers at Seahawks. 49ers got the big win last week. The Seahawks lost in overtime on Sunday night. Andrew, I'll let you go first. I mean, this is a toss-up game. I, I just feel like right now, both of these teams, I think once San Francisco gets healthy and they get you know, kind of in their you know, swing of things, I feel like, again, they're a really good team. They were in the Super Bowl. A lot of people forget, but they were in the Super Bowl last year and were pretty close to beating Patrick Mahomes and those Chiefs um, before you know a choke late in the game. But, again, Seattle with Russell Wilson, the way he's playing right now, again, I, I just feel like they probably shouldn't even have lost that game against the Cardinals. I mean, just, you know, a few lucky bounces go, you know, one way or another. They're just, their offense is electric right now, and a lot of that has to do with Russell Wilson's right arm. So, again, it's very hard to bet against him right now, so I'm going to take Seattle. It's crazy to think about the NFC West. Like, the 49ers are probably the worst team in this division right now. Yeah. Good. <laughs> maybe maybe it's the Rams. I don't know. I'm going to take San Francisco in the upset. Love the way they played last week. And there's a really good tweet on the internet from uh, Kevin Clark, who writes for The Ringer, who uh, said about a year ago that the Seattle Seahawks have never played in a normal game. And I don't think that's going to start here. But they have one of these every year, it seems, where they lose a game they should not lose. Uh, they did that last year against Arizona, and I think they'll do it this year against uh, San Francisco at home. All right, so Sunday night football, Cowboys, Eagles. Looks like it's going to be Ben Gucci Danucci starting <laughs> against the Eagles defense on prime time on Sunday night. I'll go first. I like the Eagles in this one. Absolutely hate the way the Cowboys have played the last two weeks. Seems like they've checked out to an extent on Mike McCarthy already. And I think the Eagles get the win here and uh, extend their lead in the NFC East to 3 4 and 1. <laughs> I think the Eagles are going to win, too. And, I mean, who would have thought NBC at the beginning of the year when putting this game on Sunday Night Football because both of these teams were supposed to be good teams. I mean, the Eagles, they added Darius Slay, you know, a big cornerback to kind of show up their defense. Dallas added a ton of guys. I mean, they looked pretty good in the beginning of the season, especially that offense. But, oh, right now, I mean, it's who would have thought this game would be this bad back in September. I'll take the Eagles and... 
I feel like they're gonna win this division probably at like eight, seven, and one or seven, eight, and one. That's kind of what they've done the last few years to kind of sneak into the postseason. And they're just a team. I think right now they're better, oh, well coached, better than the Cowboys right now. I'll take Wentz over Ben DiNucci, and I'll take the Eagles. I am formally calling him Gucci DiNucci from now on. I absolutely love that nickname. All right, last game of the weekend. Talked about it a little bit before. Buccaneers at the Giants, Monday Night Football. I kind of tipped my hand with this one earlier. I think Tampa Bay is going to win this game. I don't know what the Giants' offensive line is going to look like. I think that's very important. And I think Tampa Bay is going to win this one going away, and they continue this horrid roll that they have been on over the last couple of weeks. As much as I'm rooting for the Giants in this one to beat the Saints division rivals, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. Right now, they're just on this extremely hot stretch, and the the Giants aren't going to stop them, let's face it. So that's really what I got in this one. So those are our picks, and that is our show. For my partner, Andrew Galata, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. This has been the Week 8 edition of NFL Friday.